Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We're going to start this week with a NIST update, and Yuan is going to cover that item. Thanks, Peter. On May 10th, NIST released a draft version of SP 800-171 Revision 3, which contains proposed changes to cybersecurity controls that, when finalized, will apply to federal contractors that handle controlled unclassified information, or CUI. Now, there are five key proposed changes that we want to flag for our audience. First, NIST added 26 new controls, including three new control families. Like Revision 2, the Revision 3 version contains 110 total security controls, but NIST deleted or consolidated certain older controls in Revision 3 to make way for the new controls and families. Second, NIST has added organization-defined parameters in select security controls, which increases flexibility by allowing federal agencies to specify values for designated parameters. Third, Revision 3 incorporates nuanced security requirements for the majority of its controls. For example, to comply with Revision 3's Control 3.1.4, Separation of Duties, contractors will need to demonstrate that they identify the duties of individuals requiring separation and also define system access authorizations to support the separation of duties. Fourth, NIST reduced the number of non-federal organization controls, or NFO controls, from Revision 2, following industry feedback stating that many NFO controls were not being implemented or assessed. And finally, NIST provided a draft CUI overlay spreadsheet with Revision 3 that describes how each control and control item in the SP 800-53 moderate baseline is tailored to protect CUI in SP 800-171. Now, NIST is seeking public feedback on Revision 3 through July 14th, and we'll be tracking any impending changes. Peter? Great. Thanks, Yuan. Uh, next up is uh, the federal debt limit. We're obviously watching these developments closely and the discussions on the Hill and thinking about potential impacts for contractors. Essentially, the debt limit is the maximum amount of money that the Treasury is permitted by statute to borrow. In terms of recent developments, on May 1st, Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen sent a letter to Congress regarding the federal debt limit confirming that as early as June 1st, extraordinary measures, quote unquote, may be insufficient to prevent the U.S. from defaulting on its obligations. Unlike a lapse in appropriations resulting in a government shutdown, the federal government will maintain the appropriations, in other words, the authority to enter into obligations. Congress has already appropriated funds for FY23, and a debt limit default or breach would seemingly not revoke or alter those appropriations. So under this likely interpretation of the Anti-Deficiency Act, the government would maintain authority to incur obligations and wouldn't shut down, certainly as a technical matter. So the circumstance that we're looking at is quite unprecedented, however, and Treasury has not yet issued specific guidance that identifies on a contract-by-contract -contract basis uh, how things would be handled. Uh, White House and Congress are continuing to negotiate a resolution to try to avoid uh, this precipitous situation. But the government's response certainly is not fully knowable at this point if we get to that juncture. So we're watching closely, working with clients on contingency planning and playbooks 
and of course, uh, staying very closely attuned uh, to communications and uh, negotiations on the Hill. Next up, we're going to talk about a really important SBA rule. And Yuan, I'll turn it over to you. Great. Thanks, Peter. On April 27th, the SBA published a final rule amending a number of regulations, including those on the 8A Business Development Program, the Mentor-Protege Program, regulations governing small business set-aside awards to joint ventures, and the limitations on subcontracting and non-manufacturing rule requirements. We're going to highlight some of those here in turn. With respect to the Mentor-Protege Program, the final rulemaking has three key headlines. First, SBA clarified that the cap of three protégés per mentor applies at the corporate family level, so in other words, the parent company and all of its subsidiaries. Second, SBA also clarified that when a mentor purchases another entity that holds SBA-approved mentor-protege agreements, the SBA will allow the corporate family post-acquisition to have more than three protégés so long as the purchasing mentor commits to honoring the relationships of the acquired mentor. Third, SBA regs will now allow a protege, instead of having two separate mentors each for a six-year period, to choose to extend or renew its mentor-protege relationship with the initial mentor for a second six-year term. The SBA also amended the rules governing the award of small business set-aside contracts to JVs in two key ways. First, for set-aside awards made to JVs, SBA has provided clarity around the extent of control that this non-small business member can have over corporate governance. So now, in addition to the JV agreement specifying that, and I quote, other partners to the JV may participate in all corporate governance activities and decisions of the JV as commercially customary, end quote, the SBA regs now state, open quote, the JV agreement may not give to a non-managing venture negative control over activities of the JV unless those provisions would otherwise be commercially customary for a JV agreement for a government contract outside of SBA's programs, end quote. The regulations also specifically provide that a non-managing venturer's approval may be required in, among other things, determining what contract opportunities the JV should seek and in, in initiating litigation on behalf of the JV. Second, SBA has amended the regulations governing the award of 8A, HUBZONE, SDVOSB and WOSB contracts to JVs to prohibit the small business with the relevant status from submitting an offer for a specific set-aside contract or order as part of more than one joint venture. But note that this does not extend to the regulation governing merely small business set-aside awards to JVs. And now back to Peter to continue talking about these changes. All right, we've got a few more uh, changes from this SBA rule. Next up, the SBA also revised the regulations governing the limitation on subcontracting. One amendment concerns the time period for ensuring compliance with the limitation. While the period of time used to determine compliance for a total or partial set-aside will generally be the base term and then each subsequent option period, SBA amended the regulations at 13 CFR 125.6 to require that for multi-agency set-aside contracts, where more than one agency can issue orders under the contract, the ordering agency must use the period of performance for each order to determine compliance. And then one more change, 
SBA amended various aspects of the regulations concerning the non-manufacturer rule and seeking waivers of the NMR. For example, SBA amended 13 CFR 121.1203 to provide that an individual waiver in connection with a long-term contract cannot exceed five years, as well as to require that a contracting officer can seek a waiver for a specific broad identified thing or concept like a spare part related to a certain aircraft. But it can't be so broad so as to have no real identification, uh, something like all medical supplies. The amendments to SBA's regulations become effective May 30th of this year. So with that, we'll wrap up. There is so much going on with the SBA rules and for government contractors generally, we'll certainly be on the lookout. Uh, but that's it for this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.